joy, peace, tranquility, vibrancy, and wellness. Isn't this what you want instead of constant stress? That's what host Rochelle Lawson is going to help you with on Blissful Living. There are many ways to reduce stress, some you may not even know about. Doesn't a little peace and tranquility sound like just what you've been looking for? Relax for a few minutes with Rochelle. She's the queen of feeling fabulous. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Blissful Living live from the San Francisco Bay Area. And I hope you are having a fabulous morning today. I have a great show lined up for you today. And the guest is um, going to talk about something that we all strive to achieve and we all desire thus that's why this show is blissful living um let me tell you about the guests but before i jump into the guests i want to thank the sponsor for the show uh the health healing and wellness company you can check them out at www.healthhealingwellness.com they are a holistic health and wellness company offering a variety of services to help you achieve optimal health and well-being as you travel down your path to bliss. So please check them out at www.healthhealingwellness.com and connect with them if that is something that you're interested in or you're looking for ways to improve your health and well-being holistically and naturally. Now to our fabulous guest today. The show we're going to uh, dive into today is with Elizabeth Murray. And let me tell you a little bit about Elizabeth. She is an internationally celebrated author, photographer, and lifestyle innovator. Her mission is to inspire and enable people to deepen their creativity, spirituality, and connection to nature for more purpose and passion in their lives. As a speaker and a workshop leader, Elizabeth uses her stunning photographic images, personal stories, garden metaphors, and warm humor to inspire the imagination of her audiences to connect with what has heart and meaning and to express their own creativity. Isn't that wonderful? Now, Elizabeth's passion for nature and appreciation of beauty and people inspired her to travel around the world, working on diverse projects from assisting to restoring Monet's gardens in Geneva, France, to working in the remote African villages, the wilderness of Heidi Wally Islands to the Amazon rainforest. Doesn't those places sound really beautiful, peaceful, serene, and of course, blissful. And so our show today is all about living life in full bloom. And we're going to have Elizabeth bestow her wisdom and information on us on how we can do that. Because again, this is going to help you have a more beautiful journey as you travel down your path to bliss. So enough of me chatting. Let's just welcome Elizabeth Murray to Blissful Living. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. How are you, Rochelle? Good. Can you just speak up a little bit for us so that we make sure that everybody out there listening hears you? Sure. Is it, Perfect. Now, um, I know you reside in... Um, beautiful Monterey. So you're a fellow Northern California girl. And um, I'm just curious with regards to, I just want to jump right in because I think living life in full bloom really speaks of volumes for all of us. And I want to tell you guys out there listening that this might be a perfect time just to grab a piece of paper, something to write back, something to write with, sit back and relax. And, uh, Enjoy this information that Elizabeth is going to share with us with regards to living a life in full bloom. Elizabeth, how did you come about um, this title 
of um, your new book that we'll talk about as well during the show of living a life in full bloom. How did that come about? Well, I'm a gardener and I'm an artist and all my life that has led me. And I'm also very connected to spirit. And I find a lot of my spiritual connection through nature. And, and so I was thinking about being how it is to be like a flower and how it is to be in full bloom yourself and all the stages of planting and intention and growth and beauty and also, you know, disappointments and things you have to compost to enrich your soil, all the things that happen to make a flower really come into full bloom. And I was thinking that as a metaphor for our own lives. And so that's how the title came about. Mm, okay. And um, if you had to share with the listeners with regards to the title of Living a Life in Full Bloom, what if you had three words to share with the listeners, what would your three words be to best describe someone living their life in full bloom? Passion, purpose, creativity. Oh, I like that. Passion, purpose, and creativity. Now, you say you... Um, you know, you say you, you're a garden, you, you know, a gardener by nature. And I know there are a lot of people out there that like playing in their garden or doing things or tinkering in their garden and, um, you know, really connecting with earth and mother nature and, you know, all the beauty, beauty that we have here, here on our planet that comes from, you know, nature. And, and it's just a vast amount of it when you go into your garden or say the gardens in um, Versailles or, you know, some of the other beautiful areas that have these beautiful gardens that are very well manicured and taken care of. How would one equate um, the essence of a garden or their garden experience to uh, what's going on in their life? Well, I think there's wonderful metaphors and, like Versailles, those really incredibly designed and very clipped gardens, those are a lot about control. And actually, the gardens that I like the best, I appreciate those gardens, but I really like the wild and the cultivated together. I like something that is a little bit on the edge, that invites the wild, invites the birds and the pollinators and the native, uh, a lot of native plants. So for me... Um, that metaphor is about um, where do we want to have our authentic selves and not be so controlled and not be after perfect, like in a garden or in our lives. If we're always striving for perfect, then we're never quite there or it only lasts a moment. The bloom is perfect for this moment and then it's pretty soon gone. You know, it, you know something else happens. So to be more connected with the seasons, with the rhythms of the garden, I think that's important for a life metaphor. How we take care of our soil is like how we take care of our own soil, our own soul, um, deep, dark, rich, um, a lot of things going in it, um, patience about waiting for right timing, um, the, the metaphor and literal of weeding, what no longer works for us, what is choking our time out or our schedules out, um, Deadheading, old bloom, pruning, those are things like when we become too busy, 
you can't be blissful. You can't be in full bloom if if everything is so crowded, whether it's the clutter all over your house or all choking out your garden or the schedule um, in your daily life. You're always under pressure. So, again, it's about attunement and what are being connected to what is the purpose of our garden or the purpose of our life. Is it for beauty? Is it for connection? Is it for bringing friends and family in? Is it children playing? What are all the things that we really want in our lives? And then strive for that in a purposeful, meaningful way. So it's not just haphazard, but there's a plan, but not so controlled. Uh, Because, as we all know, we can have our intentions and we can work towards them, but we really don't have control over everything in our lives. That's true. You know, I I, I like how you, um, you know, describe the the gardens in Versailles because they're absolutely beautiful. They, I mean, but you use the word uh, control. And when I think about the gardens in Versailles, I mean, I've seen other, you know, gardens in these uh, very stately mansion or, you know, castles or things around the world that, you know, people put so much time into their garden and they're absolutely beautiful. And you think about all the work it takes to keep that garden looking like that and how many man hours and people and all of that. But with regards to Versailles and it being about control, it is, you know, very, it's a very controlled environment. And that's interesting how when I, think about how people's lives are and and equated or to a garden. It's like, you know, sometimes there's chaos in the garden. And I like how you said about the weeding and the pruning and, you know, the clearing stuff out and the new growth and all of that and how it can really equate, you know, to what's going on in our lives. And it's amazing because, you know, sometimes you think you have control over a certain situation and you don't, for instance, you know, I planted some lavender and I thought, oh, it's going to stay in this nice little spot and it's going to be beautiful and fragrant. And, you know, over the years, the lavender ended up taking a taking up a whole almost a whole entire area of my backyard along one side of my my backyard. And it was beautiful and everything, but it just really had grown out of control and You know, just just what you shared was just like, wow, I could equate, you know, because at that moment in time, I thought, hmm, my life is a little bit, you know, not as controlled as I would like it to be. But I have this beautiful essence of this beautiful aroma of the lavender that's coming, coming from this beautiful lavender plant. And, uh, you know, maybe if I just cut it back a little bit and cut, you know, and again, cut some things out of my life a little bit, that the beautiful fragrance is going to be an essence that I can really enjoy instead of worrying about, oh, my gosh, it's overgrown or like my life, cutting back things out of my life. And I won't have to worry about, oh, my gosh, I don't have enough time to do this or, you know, I'm spending too much time doing this and I'm not able to, to take care of this. So it's really interesting how you can metaphorically you know, equate these things uh, that you're talking about with regards to to life as well. Now, um, it's important to know you can have boundaries and that you can also, you don't have to just put in a plant and let it do whatever it wants to do. You have a relationship. It's that's one of the things I like about the intimacy of a garden is that you get to know your plants. And sometimes 
a gopher eats it, and gosh, you know, it's so sad it died. Sometimes it starts to take over. Well, it's your opportunity. It's it's just like your hair. You catch your hair once in a while. You take a bath. You have to have maintenance. So you have a relationship, and you go, I want this lavender to to have some more uh, shape to it or more pruning. Or after, when it's in bloom, I'm going to harvest it. It's the best time to cut it. I'm going to cut it. I'm going to uh, save that lavender. I'm going to give it away. I'm going to use it. And then I'll prune it at the same time, and then I'll feed it. And there's the learning, it's the relationship and the rhythms in our own lives to know right timing for pruning, right timing, just like you're going to quit the board that is taking over your life. You were so honored or you were so delighted to contribute, but then it starts to take over too much, just like that plant. So you, you learn to um, make your, your limits, limits and boundaries, so that you keep going back to your own self. What is it that's really working for me? The path is covered. I can't walk here anymore. I don't have any more time. I'm going to do some pruning and weeding. Hmm, I like that. I, I mean, it, it just, it's just so amazing how you can metaphorically, um, a, a, you know, metaphorically match what's going on in your garden, so to speak, quote unquote, to, you know, what's going on in various areas of your life. Now, what does it mean to you? to live a life in full bloom? Well, it means to be really authentic to who I am, and which requires vulnerability, which requires a sense of rootedness, a sense of self-esteem that I believe in myself enough that I can be authentic, even if it's not perfect. So again, it's like a garden metaphor that if we're not rooted, <clears throat> we can be we can get dry really easily. <clears throat> Pardon me. We can we can be tipped over with uh, winds, winds of change, winds of uh, adversity. We have to be rooted and yet flexible. And so, for me to be um, in full bloom is also to appreciate the seasons, to appreciate that there are times of dormancy, times of quiet, times of going inward. How I have self care how I have quiet time, how I have vigorous time, what are the rhythms. Each plant has a different uh, requirement, more sun or shade or food or um, there's different things. And so to appreciate that within ourselves, what are the rhythms that nourish, nourish? Some people need lots of quiet time. Some people love to have huge amounts of stimulation. Um how do we best nurture ourselves? And, and most of us are really limited in our time. At least we feel that way. But, but we're all on our life path. And I just recently have had several people who are dying or have just died. And to realize that that's part of the rhythm of our lives as well. And so to live deeply and joyfully, blissfully, but with full awareness um, of the, of the, really special opportunity to have a life, you know, so to make the most of it, to create those blooms, um, but not to be so busy or so choked um, that, that things do not really flower. Wow, that, that's, that's beautiful. I like that. Now, I know um, in your book, you talk about four pathways, uh, gardener, 
artist, lover, and uh, spirit weaver. Can you explain what those are? Well, in my book, um, I have 120 daily practices or practices people could choose to do whenever they feel like it. Um, And I have organized them on these four pathways. And I started with Gardner because of the idea of these metaphors we've just been speaking about, the intimacy with nature, and to really be connected to Earth, the stars, the weather, the soil, the water, the plants, the seasons, and the joyfulness that we can get. And it doesn't have to be that you own a garden or that you have your own garden. I mean, that's wonderful if you do. But it could also be in the park. It could also be in a window box. It, it is all these ways that we can connect to nature. I think that's really important. And then the second pathway I call the pathway of the artist because that is to expand our imagination and creativity and how we connect uh, to beauty and how we connect to each day, how we dress, how we eat, how we um, make beauty in our homes or in our daily lives, how we express our, our things that we want to. The creativity could be a painting, it could be photography, it could be cooking, it could be sewing, it could be storytelling, it, all these different ways of creativity. But that's also a way of being, to be creative. And we think of new solutions. I, I teach a lot of creativity classes, and I, whether it's with corporations or with youth or with uh, people in the second half of life, young people, how to think um, and how to enjoy. And it, it really, for me, it can really create a lot of bliss uh, to be creative. And then the third pathway I call the pathway of the lover, and that is really about connecting to your heart and to connect to your heart and what is deep and has meaning in your life. What, what do you really love? What do you have passion for? And this is important so that you always are, are you're not like bored, you're not off your path, you're not thinking, I, I don't care about this, or I feel in discord about what I'm doing. No, you're in alignment with what you love. And then you can bring so much more joy and juice and uh, delight to it. And also, love is about how we relate to others, how we relate to if you have a mate. um, I don't. Mine died many years ago. So love can be with other people. Love can be with your, you know, children, um, family, friends, colleagues, people you meet, how you greet someone in a loving way, kindness. There's all gratitude. And then the last one I call Spirit Weaver because it's about bringing celebration and ceremony and ritual and blessings and gratitudes into every day. It's to find your tribe. It's to find the people that you really uh, connect with and to bring in that spirit connection. And I believe that these pathways help reweave our communities and reweave our lives and they get a little tattered and a little um, full of holes when we are in a lot of fear or we're in worry or constant stress. So these are practices that reconnect us to really what we love most. Is there a certain uh, methodology that one would use to incorporate some of this stuff into their lives? I mean, 
or is it just um you take one of the 120 things and you start with that. Uh, can you just share with the listeners if, if there is a methodology, what that may be? Well, if when people look at my book, each page I made really pretty. I do drawings on them. I have little photographs on them. And they're very simple. It's a small book with a very simply laid out. So some of my friends or some of the people I've met who love my book, they just open it up. They open it up to any particular page, and it is like their guidance for the day. They say, okay, I'm just going to open up this page and see where it turns to. Like I just opened up one speaking to you, and on one side it's celebrate beauty, and the other side is radical amazement. That's under artist. Um, other people will say, no, I really want to develop the lover in me. It's February. It's been Valentine's Day. It's the month of lovers, I'm going to develop the love inside me, something I want to have more of. I want to be able to express more. So they'll do those practices. Some people do it with a friend, a sister, a family member, a partner, or small groups, like full bloomer groups, and then they practice together. So I think there's many ways um, to go about it, and I kind of think of it as like a seed catalog or where you can't grow everything, but you look through it and you go, wow, I'd love to grow that. But you know what? That's tropical. I can't grow it here. Or that one doesn't appeal to me. Or if you go to one of those smorgasbords, all you can eat, you don't want all that food. You want just certain things. So people, any reader is welcome to go through uh, my book and just choose something that speaks to them. And maybe it's a certain pathway to work out, work on, or different um, particular exercises. And some will be a life practice. Uh, some will be something that will just be an aha. It will be something that will be um, open you up, and then it will be something that you will always see after that, always enjoy after that. Mm, that sounds really, really yummy. I mean, just the fact that the book has all these beautiful, you know, pages within it makes me want to just dive in, you know, to it and and, and really explore uh, some of the things that you're sharing. Uh, because beauty helps to make the, you know, things in our life and in our day so much better. And if you could look at something beautiful and get something from that beauty that's going to enhance your life and your well-being, then it makes it all the more better and the more all the more easier to do. So I, I really like that. I really like that. And, and we'll share more uh, about how you guys can get the book um, a little later in the show. Now, with regards to the four pathways in your book, is there a particular time where – Someone is either, let me put it this way, is a person tied into just one of those pathways and they stay at that pathway, say the gardener forever, no, or do no. they wax no, and wane, you know, from gardener to artist to yeah. lover to spirit weaver or you, do you understand what I'm saying? Or is yeah, it just I one set path and that's what they choose and maybe over life they may, you know, go from gardener to lover, but. It's pretty much that's where you are. That's what you stay. That's where you stay. You don't wax and wane no, between no, the four no. of them. I think if you can work on all of them simultaneously, I don't think that's from the beginning to the end. Some people like to work that way and deeply explore 
one pathway, and I think that's wonderful. Um, these are all really meaningful to me, and they're all a part of my life. And actually, I had so many more ideas, and to get them organized, to get them down to these pathways, and was was an important process that took years for me. But I think that anything that you're drawn to is what you should practice or you open up to and just just um, just try it out just for fun. And I would I did do a really um, sincere introduction talking about myself, talking about authenticity and being vulnerable, why I chose those pathways, why they're important to me, how they were developed in my own life from childhood sometimes through adversity or difficult um, things. And I think that's important. Um, And then later in the book, after the practices, I talk about six different stories of friends of mine that are I call full bloomers. And they give examples of how they use those four pathways in their life, maybe as a teacher, an artist, as a business, a green business person, as a community leader. So these are ways that people will be inspired. Oh, gosh, you know, I didn't even think of bringing art into my business. Oh, this is so cool. Or, oh, yes, doing this art that really heals communities or inspires children or working with teachers. So these will be inspirational to readers to hear about these precious friends of mine that have inspired me that I call full bloomers. And then people can see the diversity and the richness and the way to contribute um, in a lot of variety. Is one pathway as important as the others, or do they do they have different weights when it when it comes to our life during, you know, do they have different weights during different periods of our life, so to speak? Well, I I think they're all equally important, and they certainly have always been really a part of my life always. But I think it's kind of like where you are. Like if you really feel, maybe you're, you're feeling like you need more of a spiritual, you need, need more a community, you want to be connected more to a sense of celebration and ceremonies. Maybe Spirit Weaver is really going to speak to you. Um, you might be looking towards your end of life. You might be looking at uh, your marriage. You might be looking at a wedding that you're going to or a baby coming into the family, um, different reasons to celebrate or have ritual or have more depth. Maybe that pathway will meet you. Or, or maybe you have a new garden, or maybe you love the garden metaphor, or we're coming into springtime, so you want to work with a gardener. Or you have this shy artist in you that has always wanted to express yourself, but you're kind of shy about it. And, but you know that you're an artist. You used to draw when you were a kid, or you always wanted to paint, or you write poetry. Um, so you might just pick that one up. Or the lover, um, because you, you're ready to date now, or you're ready to deepen your relationships with your spouse or your family or your coworkers or yourself. So you want to practice that. So I think that it really depends on the individual, and it doesn't matter your age or your background. It's really what calls you. But each of us are in different rhythms and different seasons of our lives, and we've been cultivated differently, uh, pruned and planted differently. 
But so I think any of them. Um, I don't give one more weight than the other, but okay. I put them in that order with gardener first because I think connection to nature is the first step, and that I think in my life that connection to nature has opened me up as an artist, has opened up my heart, and has brought me into deep spirituality. So that's why I put him in that order. But a person is welcome to move around. So basically, you can pretty much throughout your journey in your life, or as I like to say, as you're walking down your path to bliss, you can pretty much experience all four of them at one point in the in your life, or you might only experience two of them because that might just be the perfect pathways for you. Um, but it doesn't matter if you don't experience all of them or if you only experience one of them. They all are just as important as the other, just depending on where you are with regards to where you're at in your journey in life. Yes, but I, I actually think everybody experiences all of them. I think there's not a person who doesn't hasn't said, oh, that tree is beautiful, or thank you for that beautiful bouquet of flowers, or my God, look at those stars, or, you know, something that you exclaim about nature. And that's the pathway of the gardener. It's just intimacy with nature. Mm. And there's not a person in the world that hasn't had a creative thought, that hasn't expressed themselves somehow with their imagination. So that's the pathway of the artist. We're all there. We, we can nurture it more. We can improve on skills. But we all have creativity, and that's what I want to remind and awaken. And there's not a person in the world that hasn't been touched in their heart uh, with love, with joy, with heartbreaking, with deep feelings. We're all on the pathway of the lover, and sometimes we block it off. Sometimes we're wide open about it. And I believe each person has a sense of spirit, even if they don't believe in God or the great creator or whatever you want to call it. Um, there's a sense of celebration or gratitude or blessings or um, a good toast at a party or just to celebrate a birthday. All of those are the path of the Spirit Weaver. So I actually believe that all of us do it. You might not do all the practices I write about, and that's not important. It's more to understand and awaken these elements in your life for more bliss, more joy, more blooming, um, more delight. Now, you, you know, you talk about the practice. Let's talk about the practices because, you know, that actually is a practical application um, that the listeners are going to, you know, want to want to take and, and bite on and chew a little bit. Where how did you come up with the practices? Is it it's described to us because I know you said there's like 120 of them in the book. How did you come up with these? Well, um, a lot of it's what my values are and it's what I love and what I do, and what I have learned over all my years. Um, and it is what I think has brought meaning and delight and purpose into my life. So I really evaluated, and I thought, and I made lists, and believe me, I have 120, but I probably came up with a 1,000 ideas. <laughs> and I had all these little post-its I had used. I had to take out the paintings off the walls of my house and just put up four big sheets of paper with all these stickies on them and another idea and another idea. Every, I'd be doing my yoga class. I'd be thinking of an idea. I'd be writing in the car. I'd be talking to friends. I always had notebooks with me. I actually 
cultivated these ideas over seven years. Um, they're not ideas that just, okay, this is academically important. These are all ideas that really have meaning and I really practice. So it was more of a discernment and a focus and trying to be clear and trying to have something that would have deep resonance with other people. Uh, so that's, and, and then to decide what would be my way to organize them. And like I have one of the practices on breath. Well, actually, I have two on breath. And my editor said, breath? Why, do, why would you have two on breath? I said, well, because we do it all the time. You know, it's like a daily practice <laughs> all the time. But if we connect to our breath in different ways, I mean, we can calm ourselves down. We can be present. We can help our health. We can get ourselves from being all fluttered and being nervous to, you know, just... just um, really calming and even getting inspiration. So there's, and, and knowing our happiness, being clear about what makes us happy so that we can bring joy to others and we can choose happiness rather than, you know, patterns that we've all probably dipped into that, that are because we're depressed or sad or not on the path of bliss. So how to, and then I think being um, purposeful in our lives, so that we have a contribution, um, that we're living on purpose, that gives us great meaning and great delight and great joy when we have a sense of contribution and meaning. So those were some of the... And, and also, to tell you the truth, it's also because I feel with climate warming and with the climate change that the earth needs us, and I believe community needs us. I believe children need us, and I believe we are all being asked to step up, and we're all being asked to contribute, and we're all being asked to, our, our, I feel like our lifestyles will have to shift from lots of con- consumerism and materialism to meaning, meaning over materialism. So this is also part of my contribution to say, oh, you can have such joy by just drawing, you know, by just. Uh, telling a story to a child, you can have such joy by walks in nature or nurturing something. So it's also the bigger purpose of wanting people to explore and expand who they really are, to have more meaning, purpose, joy, delight from their contributions, not to think, oh, God, I have to have that new car or these fancy clothes, so that I have some kind of sense of self-esteem or, or like I've accomplished something. More out of teaching a child to read or um, helping a, a dog that is homeless or whatever you, you care about, food uh, for others. or So that was the deep reason behind it. And I, the back of the book, the last third, um, I have something, a process that I call life mapping. And it's something I teach uh, in workshops, but I also have the whole process in the back of the book. And it's to help guide people, readers, to go through, what are my passions? What do I really love? And then another section, what are my gifts and talents? What are the things that I have skill in? And then last, um, to really explore, what do, what do I think the world needs? And that really helps us with our values. And it's like taking an inventory 
of what our bank account is in skills and loves and heart. And then we make action plans of how I put those together so that we can make a a life with purpose and meaning. And then there's ways of, uh, I talk about of helping you get in balance. Some people are all about uh, helping others, but they get overextended, they get exhausted, they maybe have financial problems, but they're so generous, but they're out of balance. So they need to pull back in to that pruning of that lavender. Lavender is great. It's a wonderful <laughs> But you've got to pull it in if it's taken over. So, you know, it doesn't have to be whacked down. doesn't have to be pulled out. Just, you know, pruned so that, so that you have balance. And so all of these, um, to do the life map, I was doing it with good friends of mine for several years, evaluating my life, making prayers, saying, how can I best contribute? I love painting, I love writing, I love photography, I love teaching, but what is the best contribution I can make that the world needs today, right now? And this book came out of that request, and it took dedication. It was years making it, and two years of full-time, eight to ten hours a day, and four years of great dedication. And as I said, it began seven years. So it's not a quick thing, it's, but it is my contribution. It's like the soup I cooked from the seeds I sowed, from the plants I grew, and it's what I, what I can offer, what I feel is important. Well, you know, that, that's beautifully put um, because everyone has their own path and their own journeys and their own lessons to learn here while we're, you know, uh, present on earth. And and it's beautiful to know that no matter where you are on your path to bliss or in in whatever beautiful garden you may be walking through in your life, um, everybody's going to come across things that kind of shake them up a little bit or need to be pruned or weeded out or, you know, have, you know, times of bliss as well as times of, you know, not bliss, but it's it's how we handle our journey and how we see it and how we equate things that come to us that help us to be stronger and make us better. And you mentioned something that I was just going to go into. You mentioned something about life mapping. And so I just want you to tell the listeners out there, because I know you talk about this in your book, what exactly is life map- mapping and, and what is the process of this like? Because so, I, I do I believe that this, about you guys out there listening, I do believe that this information is going to help you. If you're somewhere on your journey and you just don't know what your purpose is or what it's all about or why you're even here, um, listening to Elizabeth right now talk about life mapping, I think is going to maybe help you connect some of the do- dots or put some of the pieces of the puzzle that are missing maybe into play for you. So this might be a golden nugget that you might want to pay close attention to and write down. So Elizabeth, can you just share with the listeners about um, life mapping? Well, as I said, the the first part is to really take an inventory, really look at what you love, what are your passions. Do you love nature? Do you love animals? Do you love food? Do you love sports? Do you love uh, family time? It could be all of the above. Make a list. And go on and on. 
And I've had people in my workshop say, but I don't have any passion. And I say, okay, well, what do you love? Well, um, I love my grandchildren. Great. What else? And then that starts opening it up. But connect to what you love and to really develop that list. Um, The second, to really, really be honest about what are your skills and talents. What are your gifts? And what I mean by that is, are you a good organizer? Do you speak languages? Do you, um, are you good with children? Are you a cook? Are you great at gardening? Are you a good listener? All different kinds of skills. Are you a cheerful person? Are you a good storyteller? You know, and I've had people that have, in my workshops, that have been 30 or 40 years organizing big um, schools or, or big uh, organizations, but now they're retired and they don't even count those schools. I have found a pattern in most women to be very modest, and so they don't count most of their skills, or they're very modest about what their gifts are. And I say, but you're fluent in two languages. Oh, anyone can speak Spanish and French. (laughs) And I go, no, no, and English. No, write it down. That is incredible. Um, You know, you are... You're a really good sailor of boats. I mean, you can sail boats. Oh, well, anyone can do that. No, they can't. You know, all your, they might be hobbies, they might be photography, things that you love. It's interesting to look at if you have many similar things on both lists of your passions, your loves, and your gifts and talents. And it's wonderful when we have crossovers because then it seems to indicate uh, that we have we're much more in alignment. Let's say I love art and I'm good at art. Okay, so I have them on both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody else might say, well, I have a great love of golf, but my skill and talent is to be a, a dentist and um, an organiz- organizer of businesses. So they might not have a crossover with that love. But then when, when we go to what the world needs, they might say, well, I think youth need to have more direction in their life. So when they're thinking of a life purpose that is going to combine all those, maybe they say, well, I'm going to put on a youth charity program that is going to be teaching um, underprivileged youth uh, golfing because I think it's a great skill that's going to get them in colleges and it's going to help them and um, that's going to be my business, and it's going to be my passion, and it's going to help these youth, and it's for this purpose. So you start to connect the dots. Or you love bird watching, and that's your connection to nature, and that's a skill of yours. And you're going to teach people about that because it's going to help them know about silence and observation and connection to um, the seasons and all kinds of plants. And So anyway, you, and then the, the last one is your what you feel the world needs, like obviously, Rochelle, you believe that the world needs to follow their bliss and to find ways to connect. And you're creating, with your skills and talents, you've created a radio program so you can create a a community of listeners who you can inspire. And that is part of your vision, that you are connecting your skills as a speaker and a listener, your skills with your vision. And so you're directly living that. So, and then another, so we create actions to connect those. Mm -hmm. And we also go back 
to what is your North Star? What is, what is something that is going to really ground you? And sometimes I work with people individually or in my workshops about, well, my North, you know, like part of my North Star is I need to make sure that my finances are in order because of overextension or uh, too much volunteer work, so much fun, but I don't earn enough money. Right. Or I, I'm all about money, and I don't have any passion. I never, I work too much, and I, there's nothing I contribute to the community. I'm not nurturing anyone. I'm actually kind of being too self-absorbed. So that's another thing. Or I've let my health go. I need to have more time with my health, my vitality, or my family. I'm, I'm ready for a separation because my family, I haven't given their so basically, life mapping is, is really a process that someone can use to help them find their personal, quote unquote, North Star that um, is going to allow them to, to live an, an authentic life with passion and meaning and direction. And um, it's going to enhance their all that they do in their physical being um, so much brighter, so to speak, um, that you know, they will find joy and they will be able to equate some of the stuff that you've talked about and shared uh, into their lives and and really truly understand the meaning of all the things that they do and why they do them um, and and be able to be comfortable and grounded with that information. Is that, did I understand that correctly? Yes. And sometimes it's to, you know, I'm a grandmother who takes care of my grandchildren. But And you might think, oh, I'm not doing something big enough in the world. Um, to know that that work, that storytelling to that child, that helping that child read, that creating that good food, creating that safe space, to creating that total love connection, that that is the best work you can be doing. And to remind yourself that you're connecting to your spirit, you're connecting to bring that child into nature, whether it's growing something in a pot or bringing them on a walk in a park, um, doing the creativity with them so that you can, you can revitalize and um, give more power and grace back to yourself to realize, yes, I do have more meaning. Or, you know what, I'm going to add a little of this. You know, I'm going to add, I think I do need to go to a, um, some type of community, whether it's a church or uh, some kind of art group or something that's going to give me more sense of, of others or connection. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's, it's different ways of creating an alignment with your, your passions and purpose and, and to a- actually help you find it. Um, mm. it's good that, I mean, it's, it's really, you know, it, it's really interesting because I just don't think people, you know, we're so caught up in technology and, you know, everything going so fast and being, you know, with keeping up with the Joneses and, you know, a lot of times all of that external stuff can make us feel really, really bad. And I know a lot of people seek happiness from external sources and and then they may achieve or accomplish something that they thought would lead them to feel more happier and they realize that it it doesn't and they continue to seek these you know, seek happiness, happiness from external sources. But when you take your life and you're living it in full bloom, as, as we're talking about here today, um, 
it really is about connecting with you and connecting, so to speak, with Mother Earth and grounding yourself in finding that true happiness, that true self-worth, that true authenticity within yourself internally, because it's not, it doesn't exist externally. It really does exist in you. And when you do the life mapping process, like you said, you know, like you described, um, I think that will help to help people realize all the internal beauty and passion and purpose and talents that they have that they just take for granted. And, and I think it will help them to be able to see that there is happiness, there is joy, there is peace, there is bliss really inside them and they just need to tap into it. And I believe that your life mapping, what you describe in your book of living a life of full bloom can help so many people achieve that. And I think when they do that, when our society does that, we will be such a better place and we will have so many more happier people on planet earth. Do you, do you what's your take on that? Well, of course. And I think it's, it's a both and. It's not that you're all from internal. I really believe in my inner work. It's like taking care of the soil and the garden before you plant. Mm-hmm. But it's also connection to others. It's connection, it's contribution to others, whether it's your own children or family or, or the larger circle. And I really feel that that gives us purpose and meaning. And it's it also um, is what our community needs. It's all communities need people who are going to contribute in some way. And, you know, in there's so many ways that we can do that, but it will give more enrichment. And I also feel like having small celebrations along the way is really joyful. And it could be, gosh, I finally got this task done. And I used to be, uh, okay, well, what's your next one? What's your next one? Go down on the list. <laughs> next one, next one. And then you never celebrate. You never feel like, right. oh, my God, let's just um, have, a, have a great joy here. And maybe that joy is not drinking. Maybe it's not have, eating too much rich foods. Maybe it's taking a lovely walk. Maybe it's calling up a friend and saying, hey, let's, let's just take a walk together and talk and catch up. So you're getting exercise, you're outside, you're enjoying one another, but you have pauses of joy in your life, or maybe it's cooking dinner together and celebrating that way, but to celebrate along the way so that all our accomplishments, the big ones, of course, the graduations, the finishing the book, the getting the new job, the engagement or whatever, the big ones, of course we celebrate, but also the little ones, you know, I just finally got my taxes done. God, that was hard. <laughs> you know, that was that takes a lot. Well, let's celebrate that. Or I finally got the kitchen and the house cleaned. Man, I haven't washed my windows in two years. Okay, you know, celebrate it. Have people come over and look at the garden, you know, whatever. Um, celebrate along the way, especially those things that clutter that is so hard to clean up. The garage that's so hard to get, get organized. That we celebrate that. And we know that we are bringing, we're making space, we're making beauty, we're bringing things in, um, new possibilities with that kind of openness. So I think it's the inner work that we do. It's to really know ourselves well enough to give ourselves a pat on the back to say, yes, you have these skills. Yes, I'm so proud of you. 
aren't you doing great? We say that to the little child. We say that to ourselves. We say that to others so that we're reflecting back that, that joyfulness. You see that love in that person's eyes. You see that, that delight, that eagerness, and you reflect it back, and you give them compliments, and you, you hold it in yourself so that it's out of wellness. It's out of that deep well of, of sufficiency. Mm, beautiful. I, I really, really like that. So now we're coming to the part of the show where I would like for you to um, share one nugget of gold that you would like the listeners to take forth from this, this time that we've chatted together and, uh, and really, really absorb the information that we've discussed. What's your one nugget of gold for the listeners out there? I would say to go outside or look out the window and see something of beauty. Let your eyes rest on that cherry tree that's just starting to blossom or the glistening in the snow if you're back east or the whatever it is. See something of beauty and Feel that beauty within you, feel gratitude for it, feel connection to it, and see the beauty within yourself. You know, don't, don't be saying, oh, I'm elderly or oh, I need to lose weight or whatever. Just see the beauty in your own life and then make some, make some little kindness um, in your daily life. The thank you, the delight, the kindness to yourself, and then let that flow out to others. Mm, beautiful. Thank you. Now tell the listeners out there how they can uh, connect with you and also how they can pick up a copy of Living Life in Full Bloom. Well, Living Life in Full Bloom is at most bookstores. We, if you're lucky enough to have one in your, in your neighborhood, <laughs> please yeah. support local bookstores. Um, it's by Rodale Press, uh, same ones that do organic gardening and Men's Health and Women's Health, Rodale. Um, and you can find it on Amazon or uh, Barnes & Noble. You can find it online, Living Life in Full Bloom. And then my website is elizabethmurray.com, www.elizabethmurray.com. And I have lots of uh, little movies and my paintings and photographs and ideas in it, on it. And I teach workshops and I give lectures around the country. And most of my workshops I teach in Monterey. I have an old historic house and people come here, but I also do a lot in Pebble Beach for corporations. And I'm traveling all over the country this year to um, lecture about my book. So my, my workshops are in life mapping. They're in iPhone photography. They're in living life in full bloom. They're in painting. Oh, and I'm going to be giving a retreat since you're in the Bay Area that is in at Mercy Center in Burlingame, and that uh-huh. is the last weekend in May, and that's Mercy Center um, in Burlingame. And it's a beautiful retreat center with beautiful large gardens and wonderful trees. So that will be a Friday afternoon through Sunday afternoon, last weekend in May. So people could call there, get information. 
Wow, that's beautiful. We are um, very blessed to have you and to have you share your time with us here on Blissful Living. And uh, both of us being Northern Californians, living in Northern California, we're very blessed to live in a very beautiful uh, area of the country because we are, you know, close to the water and we're close to all these beautiful uh, areas that are, you know, just a few hours away from us. We're close to Yosemite and, you know, Monterey Peninsula and, and down there is just absolutely beautiful. And San Francisco Bay Area is beautiful. And we're close to the mountains and we're just surrounded by all this beauty and nature. So if any of you are in California, particularly Northern California, we're surrounded by beauty. And as you said, take a look outside and find something very beautiful and focus on that for your day today and carry that forth in your weekend. And if you're living in other parts of the country um, where you don't have the sunny weather like we do here in California in the winter, take take just wherever you're at, take that and look outside. There's You will find beauty in the snow. You will find beauty, you know, in, in desolate areas. You just have to open up your eyes and remove the shields and allow that, that essence to flow within you. And that, my friends, may be able to help you to live your life today just a little bit more in full bloom. And so with that, I'd like to thank Elizabeth Murray for her wonderful insight, inspiration, and beauty. You, I really do highly suggest that you go take a look at her book, pick it up. The photos in the book are absolutely phenomenal. And if you don't see beauty outside your window, then go pick up her book and just open up one of the pages to the beautiful photos there. That way you can still have beauty uh, equate it and experience it in your life because they're absolutely stunning. Um, and I want to thank you, Elizabeth, for, again, being a guest on the show. And you guys, please connect with her at www.elizabethmurray.com. Um, you might want to attend her retreats. You might, you know, just want to attend one of her workshops. But whatever it is, connect with her if this has resonated with you and you'd like to learn more about how you can actually live your life in full bloom as you travel down your path to bliss. And with that... I would say thank you for listening to Blissful Living this week. Again, thank you, Elizabeth, for being a guest on the show. It was absolutely a pleasure to have you. And to all of you out there listening, I'm wishing you peace to your mind, wellness to your body, and tranquility to your spirit. Please go check out the Health Healing and Wellness Company at www.healthhealingwellness.com. I know they have some phenomenal things uh, that's occurring within that company that is guaranteed to help you have optimal health and well-being holistically and naturally. And with that, I'm going to say goodbye for now. Until next week, have a phenomenally fabulous week and take good care. I'm Rochelle Marie Lawson, the queen of feeling fabulous. And uh, bye for now, everybody. You can find out more about Rochelle on her website, Rochelle Lawson, R-O-C-H-E-L-E Lawson, L-A-W-S-O-N or at healthhealingwellness.com. Or just click on her websites from the webtalkradio.net page right in front of you. And of course, you'll want to come right back here next week for another episode of Blissful Living. Thanks for joining us.